Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. How the devil are you, my friend? I'm okay, man. I'm okay. How are you? I'm pretty good as well. For uh, date stamp purposes, we're doing this circa 6.30 on a Saturday evening, which is pretty uncommon. Pretty uncommon. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. How's that uh, new couch feeling on your buttocks? You know what, man? i got to say, pretty good, pretty good. The final touches to... Um, Strong Violent HQ Mark II. Uh, <laughs> yes, and yes. yeah, I'm loving it. Loving it. Yeah, very, very comfy. nice. Yeah, yeah. Comfy. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, Make it your own. How has your week been? Have you been doing much in the way of viewing? Uh, I watched one thing. Okay. It arrived uh, only this morning, and I watched it only this morning. Mm-hmm. I imported Joe Bigos's Bliss. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Okay, so this has been doing the rounds at the festivals. We've spoken about it a little bit on the show before. People love this film. Did you? I mean, it's very much up my street. Mm-hmm. It's all the stuff I love about kind of old Abel Ferrara films. And uh, yeah, I thought it was excellent. Uh, nothing to do with the fact that a lot of the people involved have been on this show. Uh, Fair few, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I thought it, I thought it was really fucking cool. Yeah, no, I think it's a really interesting film. Like I say, it's not the kind of thing that I think on paper I would necessarily gravitate yeah. to. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't seek it out for myself. I don't think, but I'm really glad that I've seen it. Yeah, and uh, it's, it, I, I do think that it's Joe's best film. I'm inclined to agree. I mean, I, I've got a real soft spot for the mind's eye. Yeah, for supernatural forces. If you're in the UK, that yeah. still fucking annoys. Supernatural me. forces. If you're buying it from ASDA, but uh, yeah, I. I was really blown away by Bliss. I think for what it is, and and I'm as much as I'm keen to see VFW, and I am. I'm buzzing for that. Yeah. I think I like the idea that Bliss was this kind of pals working together thing, mm-hmm. rather than this Fangoria produced bigger production type thing. Yeah, I I always think that's cool. I think that when like and you know a, a few of these guys, you see their names cropping up in a lot of different yeah. things together, and I do like that. I'm kind of I'm, I'm very behind that. It's nice to just see collectives of very creative, very talented people who are also sound as fuck. Yeah, and what I will say is there's a, there's no small amount of shagging and drug taking and yeah. drug taking and swearing. Yeah, I would say that that occupies yeah, probably a, a solid 75 percent of the runtime. You'll leave them in the end. Solid 70, 75 minutes of a 70, 75 minute film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like the fact that it's in and out in that way, though. Oh yeah, it moves at a, a brisk clip. Yes, I would um, agree. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and also Dora Madison here, the the lead, mm-hmm. excellent work. Really, really good. Do you know who else I fucking love as an actor as well? Go on. Jeremy Gardner. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, even even little things he does, like you know, he, he's in the kind of early run in a spring, mm-hmm. uh, just in that little role as the, I think the pal that works in the bar mm-hmm. at the start of spring. He's fucking brilliant. And yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, brings a lot of character to everything he does. I think. Yeah, part Big of fan. the reason I'm kind of so keen to see After Midnight. I was going to call it something else there, but it's yep. now After Midnight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Joe's pulled an absolute blinder here. It's very much up my street. It's scuzzy. It's bloody. It's dirty. Yeah, I thought it was fucking excellent. Yep, very, very cool film. I'm, yeah, a, I'm, I'm glad I own it. I'm glad I, I spent the money to import. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely worth your while. I've done that before and I've been like, well, that wasn't really worth it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, is that about it for you this week then? To be honest, kinda. Yeah, I've not really Joker, but. I'll go. I'm not entirely sure it's worth talking about here. Yeah, just to touch on very briefly. Did you like it? Yes, I very much did. Cool. Um, That's, well, we can leave it at that. Yeah. Now you've usually got loads to talk about. Um. Yeah, I don't have loads, but um, I did. I I saw a couple of things, and they're both rewatches actually. But I, two that I've definitely not spoken about in the show before. Uh-huh. Um. I sought out uh, what I think is a fairly underrated Cronenberg one. Oh, okay, you have my attention. Uh, Maps to the Stars. Oh, right, okay. Uh, right. And it's over incredibly modern Cronenberg here. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that um, I, I think people hate this film. Like, the, like I've spoken to people who really hate uh, Maps to the Stars. I think it's great. But then you hated Cosmopolis, and I like it. I do not like Cosmopolis, that's right, yeah. But no, Maps to Stars I think is really cool. Um, I generally like these kind of seedy under, underbelly of Hollywood kind of stories. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that particularly, I think Julianne Moore is really, really great in there. As she is in most things. But like, but you, but her, you see her playing something that she doesn't generally, this kind of like, mm. this kind of spoiled Hollywood madam. Right. But Mia Wasikowska is great in it as well, again, as she often is. I think that she actually, when you map it back and kind of lay her film choices post-Alice in Wonderland end-to-end, she's chosen some incredibly strange things and always really owns it. I'm thinking of things like Stoker, uh, like this more recently, Piercing. Piercing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. I think I think she's she's always great and it's kind of becoming like kind of a mark of quality for me. And do you know who else I would say the same thing for? Go on. Pats. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. He, he's yeah. An, like, he's done the exact same thing. His post star making franchise arc has been really, really interesting. I uh, see. I like that, and it's the same kind of thing that Daniel Radcliffe's done, which I'm really into. Yeah, I think Daniel Radcliffe did this cool thing where I think that he just tried basically everything because, like, because uh, he did obviously Woman in Black, which is kind of Hammer Horror, and then he was like, he did the rom com thing with What If, and then uh, Kill Your Darlings, went and played Allen Ginsberg, and all that yeah. kind of thing. Really, really interesting arc, and I think so. Yeah, I think the same can be said of. Arpats, I would agree. Yes. Also, Sarah Gadon, great yeah. here. Um, in a very, very challenging role, I think. <laughs> sure. A really, really, really cool film. Uh, my main thing that I wanted to talk about this week was I went back to 2002. Well, I watched a film and then I didn't time travel to there. But like, um, <laughs> right, okay. Uh, for a, he loves me, he loves me not. Thanks for the clarification that you're not in fact a time traveler. That's true. No, I didn't quantum leap back here in time for this recording. Oh, that um, so yeah, Leticia Colombani's He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not. Right. So French production from 2002, cool. starring Audrey Tattoo. Oh, right, okay, I don't know what this is. Uh, I would strongly recommend everyone check this out. This was recommended to me maybe nine or ten years ago, and I watched it right there and then, and loved it, and for some reason I took it into my head this week to dig it out and watch it again. Right. I don't want to say too much about how it unfolds, because I think that the less you know going in, the better. But basically, what you have here is Audrey Tatu uh, playing this woman who is a mistress, basically. A guy is cheating on his wife with Audrey Tatu, and she... You see it mostly from her perspective and her talking to her friends about it and how right. she's adamant that he's going to leave uh, his wife for her and all these kinds of things. Midway through the film, the kind of tone and story and everything kind of turns on a dime and it goes into really, really dark places. It's really, really cool. That nice, sounds cool. Yeah, it's like nice, unreliable narrator stuff if that's your thing. It sells you really hard on the whimsy and pulls the rug out from under you in a really cool way. So uh, yeah, he loves me, he loves me not. I was very happy to revisit that as we go watch it. It's great. Wow, okay. Uh, quite the recommendation. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was very, very happy to go back to it. It was better than I remembered, if anything. Cool. Um, speaking of things that are great, 
Mitch wants his shock raise 100 and he's nearly done with it. <laughs> sure is. And uh, yeah, getting one in this week. Right. Uh, the Haunting. Oh, okay. Now, I have gone off on one about this before, so I'm not going to dwell on it too much. This you time, don't like old films. I do now. I, I don't. It's not that I don't like old films. <laughs> it's just that like, generally, like if I'm watching something by choice, right. I'll go for something that it's probably newer than the 70s. Okay. So I think the one thing that has been great about this is that it has kind of challenged me to watch a lot of stuff from before then and uh, with varying degrees of success. I would say The Haunting, of the kind of pre-70s films that are on there, is probably the one that I've liked the most. Right. Um, I got I just got on board with it right away. I didn't realise it was a Hill House story. Based on Shirley Jackson's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, um, so I got on board with this right away. Uh, there was just something about it that I really connected with. Earlier doors than films from this kind of era that I've ended up liking before. Okay. So yeah, I would say, that, um, yeah, it's really good. It's definitely, I would say it's probably in the top 20 or 30 of the 90-odd that I've watched at this point. But yeah, I think probably, I think there's only seven or eight left to go. Cool. And I think we should, uh, I'm picking what we should go out on. Yeah, there's a a few good calls still in there. Still haven't haven't seen things like Possession, Rosemary's Baby, stuff like that. The Monster Squad. Monster Squad, yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, a few things things that are kind of like, would be worthy contenders for being the hundredth of the hundred. Oh, that's exciting. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. Moving on. What have they been singing? A decent amount of the feedback this week. Uh, kind of to be expected because we had a shorter one last week, of course, because we recorded a little early. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people coming in, and I think that it makes sense to uh, start off with where the lion's share of the feedback is coming, which is for Sucker Punch. Big thank you to Stephen DeGennaro, director of Found Footage 3D, also the co-host of Science vs. Fiction, the podcast, and also director of the excellent new short film, Stopped. Which I watched, by the way. You enjoy it? Oh, yes, I thought it was excellent. Absolutely outstanding, I think. Yep. Um, but yeah, he uh, joined us and talked a big game and delivered on uh, Defending Sucker Punch, i got to say. A um, few people getting in touch about this. Um, a few people on Twitter. Michael Park getting course, in touch. Yes. Should be quiet, Michael. Saying, previous guest. Yes, previous guest saying, and you gave me shit for Resident Evil. <laughs> Scotty Henry, Real Heel Scotty on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, getting in touch saying, is it wrong that I absolutely love this film? Scotty, a week ago I'd have said yes. Uh, now I kind of get it a little more. A little more. And uh, Chloe Bestley just simply saying, really looking forward to this one. So hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, non-committal there from Chloe. Yeah. 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 She didn't She didn't specify why. Well, let me tell you, Dave Cooper at Deluxe underscore Man has some words to say about Go on. Sucker Punch. I remember seeing this at the cinema. I remember absolutely loving the action sequences and how stylized they were. The rest was... Not so good. Reminds me of all of Snyder's films, all style and not much substance fair. Interesting though that we have we came up almost exact on the, the exact opposite side of that coin. Yeah. And that we find the other stuff way more compelling and the action scenes kind of dry. So, um, interested to know what they thought of the episode. Yes, because that conversation is so. very pointed against that. So, kind of curious about that. Uh, Andre Martin's a little less on the fence about this one. Okay. Uh, oh boy, the only good thing I remember about this borderline pedophilia fest is the Skunk and Nancy version of Search and Destroy. That's actually still on my workout playlist to this day. <laughs> a pedophilia fest? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty damning criticism from your boy there. <laughs> yeah. It's the a Serbian film of quasi comic book video game film. <laughs> Andy McEwen uh, actually thinks it's the worst film ever. Harsh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. He also uh, at one point jumped in simply with a picture of Professor Farnsworth from uh, Futurama just saying, I don't want to live on this planet anymore. Which again, is a very extreme response. Wow. Um, also, Blair Bathory herself. Yes, a previous guest. From episode five, Leviathan, getting into simply saying, this can't be defended. I mean, Stephen is a fair crack at it. It really does. I would really say. Does. Yeah, really pretty compelling crack at it. I would say so. Anything else on Sucker Punch? No. 
Dave Shakes, Shakes72. Ah, yes. Uh, as with many of Snyder writing some visually stunning set pieces and great use of music. Uh, Carlo Gugino, heart eyes emojis. But something very uncomfortable about this film. <laughs> and uh, you made a reference to the fact that we were uh, once again heading back into uh, sensitive treatments of mental hospitals and the mentally ill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Darren Gaskell saying we're heading back into that hot on the heels of Truth or Dare, a critical madness. Uh, although I somehow think that Sucker Punch is clumsier than Truth or Dare. <laughs> wow, bold. Interesting that we talk about Truth or Dare, a critical madness, my friend, because I have something. Oh, excellent. Okay, go on. Ross McIntyre ah. at Sane underscore man. Yes. Uh, saying, beginning my 30 plus hour journey to Sheffield. Obviously, uh, Ross lives in Australia. Yep, yep. Coming over to visit Lauren, amongst others. Yeah, Dr. Lauren is his sister. Yep. Beginning my 30 plus hour journey to Sheffield. And what better way to start than to listen to At Strong Violent PC and At Laura McQuay 7 discussing Truth or Dare a Critical Madness. Indeed. Hope you enjoyed it, Ross. I had a fun with that episode. Um, and actually, Darren Gaskell got in touch saying, in Floodlights Over Salem style, the comment, she's kind of a hag about the woman that had been reversed over made me laugh to the point where I missed the next minute or so and had to rewind. <laughs> See also pretty much everything about Rosenberg and in brackets, just shithead. Yeah, I need, I'm amazed more people haven't jumped on it and watched it already. I know, I'm kind of surprised too. I would like more people to watch Truth or Dare a Critical Madness and weigh in on their thoughts because... Absolutely. I know if there was a few people, I don't know if you've got any feedback there to this effect, who thought it was fucking god awful um, well I was going to say Salter Popcorn and Kevin Matthews <laughs> watched it uh, first time in weeks slash months I've not listened immediately and the first time I've rented a film on the tubes of you I'm going in and then we'll be listening Tim Ritter owes you lot a thank you for my rental see you on the other side he then immediately posted a gif <laughs> of Joe from Arrested Development with uh, I have made a huge mistake uh, Laura McQuay weighed in herself saying there's no turning back now stay the course to which he said, the chorus was stayed. Please don't take this the wrong way, but I'm even more keen to hear some defense statements as I think it may be the worst film picked yet for the show, but <laughs> hilariously so. I don't agree. I was all in by the time Mike seemed more upset crying out Jerry than Sharon. Mm-hmm. Uh, well worth it for the conversation. Loved the show, which made it all worthwhile. The sadist in me kind of wants to see the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do too, I've got to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. Just purely as a completist. Yeah, I, I must admit, my curiosity is sufficiently piqued. I mean, it's that the same thing that keeps me coming back to the Anaconda films. Absolutely. Even yeah, though yeah. I know, and my heart of hearts, it can't get better. No. <laughs> no. It's all downhill. Very yeah. much so. Uh, you got anything else? Yeah, I do. Graham Hughes. Ah, former guest once again, uh, Ghost in the Darkness episode and director of Death of a Vlogger. Which is fucking excellent. It's fucking brilliant. At Faction Man weighing in to say, way behind on Strong Violent PC, but inspired after listening to this episode today. Let's see how it holds up. And there is a photo, um, uh, take it in the flat where Death of a Vlogger was filmed. Definitely, 100%, uh, unmistakably. Yep, uh, Graham's house. Yep. Uh, and he's watching Final Destination 3. Ah, excellent. Fun episode that with Gabe. It very much was. Uh, and then he came back to say better than he remembered it. Only downside is that he has to now watch part four. Uh, yeah. Although, on the plus side, once you watch four, you get to watch five. Yeah, four is... I, I mean, four's not good. Four's shocking, but five's as good as four is bad. So, um, it's like it's like a wee carrot. I believe uh, Faye Ellis actually came back to say that she quite liked part four. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wondered that. Uh, which is confusing. Oh, that um, was her. Yeah, vexing. <laughs> she was the person that liked it, I see. <laughs> I want to give a quick shout out to Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Hi, Hanny. Uh, she has recently purchased a logo t-shirt uh, from our tea public. She has, yeah. And, and she's ripped it to buggery. Yeah, she's modified it in a very cool way. Um, 
um, and posted a couple of pictures of that, which is cool. Really fun to see you guys out there wearing the t-shirts. Please Always good send fun. us your photos of you wearing our stuff. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, we've had a couple. Fills I mean, our hearts with joy, and I'd like to see somebody wearing each of the t-shirts. I'd like yeah. to put like some kind of collage together. If you don't want your face on it, I'll crop you out. Uh, but I'd like to see the, the shots on bodies. Yeah, out there in the world, in the yeah, wild. Yes, certainly. Definitely. Yeah. You got anything else before we move on? Uh, not really, no. I actually, um, I, I don't like cycling back, but I'm going to have to because I actually, I've missed a couple of things on Sucker Punch. Oh, for fuck. But... Oh, so far. <laughs> oh, well, in that case. Yeah, a... back to Sucker Punch then. I'll just do this quickly. It's brief. Uh, Cosmic Ray Girl getting in touch to say that the giant samurai scene is so goofy. As I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, 100% that is true. Um, Dennis Extra Atherton, uh, it's hard for me to watch his Zack Snyder film without thinking of Mark Kermode. He calls it the pornographic camera angles that Michael Bay uses. Um, and also Chris Salt getting in touch saying, looking forward to hearing a defense of this because I feel like I just watched someone playing Xbox for two hours. Exactly. <laughs> Which again yeah, yeah. is a comment that we that we landed on as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Chris, I gotta say. But um, yeah, I hope you enjoy the defense of it because of, like I say, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. Yeah, uh, Jessica Messenger as well at Jess Tired Girls Club oh. on Instagram. Nice said, to hear from her. Uh, I love this movie. Love heart emoji. Ah, fair play. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think that like um, I would actually be like very very interested to hear more people's thoughts, not just on the film but on the discussion because I think that Stephen raised some really interesting points that I would prefer to be the start of a conversation rather than the end of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would like especially I think I said it at the time as well. Particularly the female listeners, I would like to hear a little bit more from on this one because he kind of talked about how female action heroes are written, mm-hmm. and things like that. So some female voices in that discussion would be good. Yeah, yeah. By um, the way, I just want to mention uh, last week's Mitch's pitch image. Yes, Forbidden World. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, I checked it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. Okay. And it's a fucking blast. It's ah, an absolute blast. You, you, you must watch it. It's got big, stupid alien at the end, and it's got loads of gooey, gunky stuff. It's smashing. I had a ball watching it. Speaking of which. Ah. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone that will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. It will photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any other identifying text and leave only the image. Where I come in, <laughs> I'll describe the image to the best of my ability and where possible, give it a title and a synopsis. We will, of course, also post them all over social media so you guys can join in at home. So this past week, as you just said, we had uh, Forbidden World. We did have Forbidden World, Reappropriated yes. by me as a rack nerd. <laughs> I forgot that. Um, and oh. <laughs> we had some great ones this week, i got to say. Um, very, very happy to be having a quick flick through some of these. Kevin Matthews first. Yes. It's a disaster waiting to happen when a family of moths get inside the super... Sa- <laughs> that sounds fun. When a family of moths get inside the super safer radioactive power plant that's completely safe and not dangerous at all. <laughs> Just near Stevenage in the mid-1990, but made sometime in the mid-80s, creature feature, someone open a window and wave it out. A.K.A. the lights are on, but nobody's home. <laughs> I wish it was just called someone open a window and wave it out. <laughs> um, Andrew Marshall, first of a couple from him this week. Oh. Uh, happy to read them both because they're both really good. A couple? What yep. greedy bastard. Kleptomaniac sex best, Sticky Tupper, gets more than he bargains for. <laughs> When he robs the home of wise but eccentric artificer Ken Mishit. And after being unable to restrain himself from trying on a cursed bad dragon dildo, is transformed <laughs> into the hideous and insatiable demon Batmandible. Right, okay. After the creature declares war against the one he blames for his suffering and all of humanity in between, glamorous monster hunter Violet Encounter. Oh, yes. Lays yes, a trap yeah. by posing as a damsel in distress to ensnare the lecherous abomination. Will Violet be able to assuage a rampage of impotent rage against a sage maid? 
Or will she be left with a sting in the tail? Find out in 1985's The Crook, The Disbelief, His Strife and Her Undercover. Superb play on an excellent film. <laughs> that, that's a really, really yeah. great. I'd watch the hell out of that wow. as well. Yeah. Tony Constantinou, when adept but chronically fatigued French dentist Philippe McCavity <laughs> accidentally drinks that pink shit you're supposed to spit when you get a filling, he suddenly finds himself turning into a flying Cthulhu-like crab creature with an unprofessional perversion towards efficiently killing his patients with the poorest dental deficiencies. <laughs> I feel like this is going somewhere I very much wanted to. Now as McCavity begins to crack in a is the point of no turning back it's up to apprentice dentist and amateur mathematician Mac McCracken to pick up the slack and solve the equation of the crustacean mutation in 1987's unexpected plaque attack the crabsidental transcrustification of Phil McCavity that's fucking excellent oh man great. man alive Andy McEwen, it's spring break time again, and that means only one thing, partying hard. Six teens decide to do something wild on holiday. They decide to hire a boat that is blown off course by a freak storm. After days at sea, all hope is lost, but a mysterious island is spotted and they go ashore. Finding natives that aren't too friendly and want to sacrifice the group to the underground demon they call Antichrist, the thing is causing all the storms. Find out if the group survives in 1977's The Demon on Terror Island. (laughs) (laughs) Quite like that, guys, eh? There are so many this week. Yeah. Uh, C.P. Buckley. I like this. I like when there's loads. After one too many failed genetic experiments involving peacocks, Dr. Thaddeus Thunderstick decides that he will <laughs> experiment on himself next. He does so while at a swingers retreat with his dim-witted girlfriend, Harmony Headstrap. Unbeknownst to Harmony... I don't know if that's appropriate. <laughs> Unbeknown to Harmony, however, Thaddeus plans to break up with Harmony for his kinky new mistress, Elmira Sierraston. The experiment goes horribly right, fusing Thaddeus' DNA with that of an ant and a wasp. After sleeping with several other women at the retreat, they too begin to change into giant winged ants. Now Harmony must team up with the remaining swingers to foil Thaddeus' plan to convert the world into a new species and kill Thaddeus' new queen Almira. It's 1972's low-budget low cultish classic, The Day of the Thaddeans. <laughs> I really like the name Thaddeus as well. Very good, yeah. Uh, Chris Salt, white-collar fraudster Clem Bezelment, thinks he's, <laughs> thinks he's got it made when he talks his way into a job at a top biological research facility. A nice, quiet lab gig with plenty of opportunities to skim off a little of that sweet grant money. Ooh. What could possibly go wrong? But what he doesn't know is that the facility is researching mutated DNA from an ant colony that was hit by a space meteorite. And when he accidentally swallows some, he finds himself mutating into a giant winged insect monster with a lust for human flesh. Now it's up to chief insect scientist entomologist and her team (laughs) to find a way to reverse (laughs) the mutation's deadly effects before the smooth criminal assumes his final alien ant form. (laughs) In 1982's Flying Ant Day. (laughs) I'm oh. really enjoying alien ant form there. Yeah, I like that too. A honey underscore ray, a creature with a lust for freshman flesh and an aversion to outerwear, stalks the college campus for drunk coeds to drag back to its lair. But it didn't figure on meeting Stella Virgin, a tenacious <laughs> social science major with a strong right hook and final grill, alien battle fry. <laughs> Dan underscore Gaskell Jesus successfully Christ. identifying it as Forbidden World. Yes. Faye Ellis yeah, yeah. Tweak 81 getting in touch saying it's the college years. <laughs> uh, that's this week's ones.
Right, okay, they're very good, very good. But I, before, before we get to a winner for that, I do want to mention Andrew Marshall getting in touch again. Because we were early, he got a pitch in for last week, uh, the initiation or uh, the Moocher, the Faker, the Candlestick Maker. Uh, he got in touch and said, uh, got with this one that I think is worth a mention. Okay. Uh, obviously can't win anything because it's out of the week, but still. Sure. Uh, Sorcerer Wilton Ramrod was once famous for sex magic, but now needs to prove he's more than just a spent wick. It's up to his fairy servant, Tinkerbell, to reignite his flame of passion until he's once again dripping with in 1982's erotic fantasy Behind the Candly Bra. <laughs> ho and ho. That is your lot for this week. So, as ever, it falls to you to dole out the prizes. So, oh, okay, I will give the best pitch. Yep. Or pitches. Okay. To Andrew Marshall and Tony Constantino. Okay, so you're going there for the crook, the disbelief, his strife, and her undercover. Superb, yes. And, of course, <laughs> unexpected plaque attack, the crabsidental transcrustification of Phil McAvity. That one. Yes. Yeah. Um, a fair sharing of the spoils there. And the best character name? The best character name, uh, Violet Encounter. Violet Encounter, also Andrew. So, big well done to Andrew and Tony. You are this week's winners. You, of course, win nothing. Uh, don't spend it all at once. That is on its way to you now. And I guess now it's my turn. Yes. Uh, are you prepared, sir? Oh, why not? Steal yourself, because here comes an image. Loins are girded. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Don't know why. <laughs> no, please ungird them. Don't know what I'm expecting. Uh, okay, cool. Right, let me zoom out. Border check. Okay, so we have a red border with a white trim. Yes, yes, well done. Uh, background of the image is a blue skyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom half is all black, which I'm assuming is where the text has been removed. Of course it is. Uh, we have, that kind of like, kind of like, kind of looks like an entrance to a tomb. Okay, yeah. Um, or kind of, kind of, yeah, one of those kind of big things for dead people that you find in cemeteries that aren't graves. Okay. Uh, there's a path leading up to it as well, and there is kind of like, I'm assuming that it's supposed to be like ambient, kind of like smoke or dry ice. But I think it's a miasma. I can't, um, I can't shake, you know, that it's like this, like, you know, when you see Pepe Le Pew following the smell of food, it looks like that to me. Right, okay. Um, and uh, this kind of, tomb thing is being held by a skeleton right a giant skeleton in the background who has a hand on either side of it and his skull is kind of peeking out over the top of it it has Uh, very lopsided like very uh slanted eye sockets yes i agree his right eye socket is much larger than the left one is it possible this could be sylvester stallone's skull it's quite possible (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. sure uh so yeah there you go uh mismatched eye skull uh, skeleton man holds on to the edges of a tomb as Pebble Pew food smell things come out of the door. The door is also made of wood and the knocker appears to be in the shape of a ram's, ram's head or something. Yeah, yeah, seems that way. Yeah, I just, will, of course, just, need a moment. Yeah, just please, more detail, much. Of course. You can have some time. Here we go. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, before I tell you the title of this film, I actually thought you were going to say it. Oh, really? <laughs> I very much thought you were going to say it in the middle of your description. I have been close a couple of times. Which might uncomfortable, and I realised that when you started down a path. Okay, I see. <laughs> and I'm very relieved that you didn't. Uh, it's, yeah, it's probably better. Yeah. Okay, I think I got it. Of course I don't have it, but I have a pitch. Okay, <laughs> fire away. It's July 6th in the town of Entre de la Mort, and that can mean only one thing. Wait, haven't we been there before? No, Place on de Mort we've been to oh, before. fuck, great, sorry, yes. The annual summer food festival. With aspiring chefs and bakers from all over the country assembling in the normally sleepy town, the locals are alive with the festival atmosphere, not least local police chief and would-be cooking queen Pam Freet. 
<laughs> However, the town's reputation and the future of the festival is at stake when locals and guests alike begin to go missing, enticed to the local cemetery during the night after following the irresistible smells of delicious cooking coming from the tomb on the hill. What the fuck image have you been looking at? With the theory abounding that the victims are being lured to their death by a nefarious undead chef, it's up to Pam and local paranormal investigator HBGBs to stop the spook oh, cook and his horror d'oeuvres before it's too late. Get out. Watch the studio desperately attempt to magic up franchise potential from thin air in 1987's wildly unwarranted sequel, Hell's Kitchen 2, Meals from the Crypt. Get out. <laughs> Get out of here. Fair one. Okay, how wrong am I? Very wrong? Uh, the film. Uh, is, what year did you say? Uh, 87. Oh, you're not that far off. It was 1983. Okay. And the film was Mausoleum. Oh, I was almost there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was the word I was looking for. You were nearly there, man. Nearly well, there. Okay, Mausoleum. One, is it any good? Two, what's it about? I like it. Okay. Uh, I believe it's available on Amazon Prime if anyone wants to watch it. Okay. Um, I'm sure I skipped by it the other day. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, do you want the synopsis? Yes, hit me. Coming in this week from Cowman. Okay. I believe it's pronounced Cowman. Continue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Traumatised by her mother's death, young Susan is becoming possessed by the same demon that possessed her mother before she died. More and more, her husband and psychiatrist are noticing the strange changes. Quite oblique. Yeah, yeah. quite oblique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Vague. N- not, not a Claudio Carvalho special, I would no, say. No, 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 no. But, no, uh, no. Uh, Cowman. Cowman. Thank you, Cowman. Yes, Thank you very much. Yes, uh, that concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere. Get pitch in. We love hearing from you. Please. Uh, I mean, these are fucking spectacular lately. Yep. Like, it feels like there's been a real uptick. Definitely. In effort and quality, and it's superb. Thank you. Yeah, big thank you to everybody once again. Keeping yeah. us very much entertained all through the week. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, there's not a day goes by that somebody doesn't post something that makes me laugh. Very true. Yeah. Uh, so... So, streaming platforms, Mitch, tell me. So, we uh, we have some pretty slim pickings, nothing really uh, of note in Sky Cinema. Amazon Prime, say it with me. Uh, are you telling me that there's uh, weekly, weekly episodes, episodes of, of Mr. Robot, Robot and, and the, the Purge. Purge? Yep, you're right. Weekly episodes right there for yeah. your delectation. That's sure all. Gigi Guerrero's got one coming up soon in the Purge. Oh, uh, I remember you saying that that was in the yeah. lineup at some point, yeah. so yeah, that could very well be true. Uh, elsewhere, Netflix, uh, we have on Tuesday, season five of Z Nation. Right, okay. Um, hell, season five. Yeah, just discreetly creeping up to five seasons there. A team embarks on a perilous cross-country mission to transport the only survivor of a zombie virus, hoping he holds the key to a vaccine. Do you know what? I've never watched this. Neither have I. Sounds I've right. never watched this. It's one of those things that I see, and I've just never dipped into it. Uh, guys, let us know if it's any good. Yeah, it's out there. there's, there's quite a lot of it seasons, yeah. Then somebody's fucking watching it. But yeah, Swamp Thing's cancelled after one episode. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Strange, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a limited series coming on Wednesday. It's a docu-series. A French, I believe, Who Killed Little Gregory? When their, four, <laughs> when their four-year-old son is killed, a couple embark on a twisty and arduous journey to find a frustratingly elusive killer. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, and also on Wednesday, potentially the pick of the week this week, actually, Karen Kusama's Destroyer. Oh, so right, okay. the well, follow-up yeah. to the invitation. Yeah, well, Nicole Kidman. Yes, after going in too deep while infiltrating an LA gang, a hardened police detective has a chance to confront her old demons. Well, it's a follow-up to the invitation unless you include XX. Oh yeah, which I don't. Um, <laughs> I, in fairness, Karen Kazamas is one of the better ones. One that. of the better segments in there, I would agree. Yeah, but um, uh, also just on Shutter, just the one this week uh, on the twenty first of November, we have got something that played at Fright Fest this year, Nexotronic. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, an outrageous new horror comedy from hell from the creators of Wormwood. Howard oh, North, a downer yeah. as luck sewage worker, gets dragged into a global conflict between the necromancers, a family of badass demon hunters, and Finnegan, an evil demon who absorbs people's souls to increase her power. 
When Howard finds out the truth behind Finnegan's past and her dark plans for the future, he teams up with his new friends to discover he is the ultimate necromancer with a K, the only one with the power to defeat her and save the world. So I really liked Wormwood, so I'll probably check this out. I like Wormwood. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard mixed reports about this one from Fright Fest, but I'll get on it at some point. That is about it for uh, the streaming platforms this week. Pick of the week, I'm going to say Destroyer. Excellent. Right, uh, so moving on very quickly then to this week's episode, and I want to write a wrong here. I want to write the ship on something. Right. So you may remember a few weeks ago, we took a week off. We did, yes. Um, yes, we did. Uh, we, it was a week where we were supposed to have Mitch Haradon doing A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 for his right. revenge. Yes, So, which we will still be doing in the near future. Yes. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, however, we didn't correct the episode numbering after that. So episode 76 doesn't exist. So uh-huh. we are, we've. I think that Sucker Punch was episode 79. Yeah. Except it was actually episode 78. Oh, right, okay. So I'm going to um, propose that this week's episode is episode 79A. <laughs> okay. And we can um, mysteriously have new episode 76. Right, like, uh, Okay, I, I will take that on board. That's absolutely my fault. But I just I just spotted it, so um, yeah. I will write that wrong. Uh, Pull us linear, Andy. In some way. Yeah, I okay, cool. I will fix that and figure it out. Excellent. So swords are still running as, as normal? are fine. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Uh, okay. How, so we do have a guest this week. Yes, we do. And um, it's, this one's been a bit of a long gestator. Yeah, um, we've also done one of his films. I think is this the first time we've had this happen. I believe that that is true, unless you count Josh Forbes picking his own one. I don't know. Uh, no, no, okay. that, was, that was entirely Josh's uh, decision. Uh, this person had no say. No, when Paddy Murphy chose Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday. He is also the director of the Fright Fest Presents title Secret Santa. We are being joined this week by Adam Marcus. We are indeed. Uh, and I hope he took take the episode on Jason Goes to Hell and uh, with the love it was intended. Yeah, exactly. I'm, and I get the impression that if he hadn't, he wouldn't be joining us this week. Well, unless he wants to lambast us. Well, he has gone for a film that I think will probably invite a slightly more serious conversation than our normal. Yeah, and um, it's a film I've actually talked about very briefly on the show before because Arrow Video put it out a few months ago. Okay. And it's an excellent film, and it's a film that I think more people should probably see because it's fucking awesome, and it's maybe still just a little bit underseen. Mm-hmm. It's uh, William Friedkin's Cruising. Excellent. Now, Adam did say as well that he apparently has an encyclopedic knowledge on this film, so I'm very much looking forward to hearing what kind of stories and what kind of knowledge he brings to the table. Excellent. I'm going to have to dig into the, the commentaries on that Blu-ray from Arrow Video. I'm not going <laughs> to. You're going to go flying in blind like you always do. I'm going to blunder in just like I always do, bullheadedly without a care or a clue in the world. It's worth mentioning when I watched the Blu-ray recently, I watched it with like, all the blinds open in the living room. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, there's quite a lot of moments of uh, sexy stuff mm-hmm. uh, and stabbing. Okay, and, you know that way it was like just in the evening, people were still in the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was uh, some quite graphic sex. I see. Well, so. Secret Santa and Jason Goes to Hell director Adam Marcus joins us this week to talk cruising. Kind of cool to have um, a Friday director on, on the show, oh, I think. Man, pff, that's staggering to me. That's that's like That actually gets me really excited yeah. in, a, in a total fanboy way. Yeah. Really, um, really looking forward to having Adam on the show because we are, as as he will know from having listened, uh, all three of us, you, me and Paddy Murphy, are all big fans of Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah, so. yeah. That's fucking cool. So, yes. Adam joins us for episode 79 Very exciting stuff. So, <laughs> how do you feel about that? Get in touch with us, let us know. Loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email Longer Considerations, Listener Choice Episode, Suggestions, Mitch's Pitch Images, Musical Interludes, all that kind of thing. Pretty much whatever you feel like that the character limits on the others don't let you do. Can we get some more Musical Interludes, please? Yeah, that come on, guys. Because, uh, I mean, 
we actually we actually have one that we haven't shared we'll get that going for this week yeah i know the yeah. one you mean that would be good definitely <laughs> definitely need to chase that up uh but yeah you can do all that by dropping us an email at stronglanguagefanguinescenes at gmail.com yes and for any other information you might need uh additional ways to get in touch with us live dates as and when they're announced and we have some interesting stuff in the works on that very subject uh, yeah a couple of these might be coming together in 2020 keep your eye and uh, keep your uh, keep watching the skies on that one and i'm i'm really excited about that because i i would love to do more of these yeah 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 we always love them we always have a great time hopefully you guys do too yeah, yeah, that, that would be nice. You're not just uh, coming and having a terrible time. Yeah, no, I mean, ideally not. It's just out of politeness. Yeah. It's like, I think that these guys need it more than we do. Um, and that's strongviolentpod.com, isn't it? It is strongviolentpod.com, which we'll remember. Them. Just to show you that I remember this sometimes also. Yeah. And don't forget, whatever platform you are listening to us, if you're feeling generous, please do drop us a like, subscription, uh, review, uh, five-star ratings would be nice, especially on iTunes. Uh, preferably five stars. Yeah, look, keep, yeah, keep them to yourself. Yeah, and, mediocre, and, we know. and did we tell you recently, listeners, that we love you and we uh, are incredibly thankful for everything you do? Yeah, I mean, we really do. Because we are. <laughs> we are back this Friday talking cruising with Jason Goes to Hell director Adam Marcus. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.